All right, Ken Bonner, why don't you come on up? Matt, can I borrow the microphone? Um, just before I get into the word, uh, Ken's got a great testimony to share around the gifts of the Spirit, so we wanted him to come up and share. Thanks, guys. Hey, everybody, I'm Ken. Um, I've got a quick story. Uh, you know, two weeks ago, Steve started sharing about the gifts and calling into those gifts, right? And um, my heart just started pounding because I have a story um, that directly related to that, and God was speaking to me, and I felt like if I could share it, uh, maybe it would give you guys some encouragement. It would bring maybe to someone to be able to take a step, step forward in faith and uh, to walk in their calling. So <clears throat> after high school, I was at a place where I really didn't know what I was going to do with my life, and um, there was a lot of options on the table, but no clear direction. And one day, I really felt strongly like God called me, um, and I got accepted into this, this group that does um, assembly programs. They, they go across the country, and they play to high schools and middle schools. They do a drama. They do music. And they um, present the gospel at night. And it's a, it was a pretty powerful thing that I experienced. I asked them about it. I filled out an application, and I totally forgot it. God accepted me into that, um, and then I felt really, really peaceful, felt great about it, and uh, I joined the group playing guitar. So I played guitar for about a year before I joined this group, and um, it was a place where I felt comfortable. I could play rhythm guitar and just kind of chug along and play some of the cover songs we did, like Matchbox 20 and, uh, you know, Green Day and, you know, Shania Twain. So we did, we did some pop songs and all that stuff, um, and I could play some GDC chords, no problem. Um, halfway through the training period, that was three months, the other guitarist that was playing all the solos, the lead lines, the crazy riffs, he quit. He just totally left. He's like, I can't do this. I have to go. So the, the leadership and the members of the team, they looked to me. They're like, Ken, you have to learn all these leads and solos. I was like, no, 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 no. I've, I've only been playing guitar for a year. This, this is not what I signed up for. I'm here to play rhythm guitar. That was my calling. I felt good about it right? Um, they're like, well, too bad. Uh, you need to go to your dorm room and sit and practice these songs with a tape. Um, yeah, there was a tape. We didn't have CDs. Uh, <laughs> so we, I practiced the tape. I sat in my bed, and I just could not get it. I could not play these solos. There was nothing there. I was maybe at less than 5% capacity to be able to play this stuff. So I sat in there, and I came back to them, and I said, is this? And they're like, no, keep working. So um, I had days and days of crying and praying and practicing and then a combination of those throughout, you know, about two or three days. And then one morning, I woke up and then I could play everything at like 80% overnight. Wow. So that's awesome. And, you know, maybe there was something that like clicked subconsciously. So my intellectual brain has that capacity. Like, cool, maybe there's, you know, something clicked for you. But... The bonus is that since then, I feel the Holy Spirit just throughout me like, like electricity. So whenever I played lead guitar from then on, playing solos, chords, crazy riffs, I felt like energy, right? Like electricity, chill bumps, whatever you want to call it. And it, and it always kicks in now. And it's one of those things that God gifted me this, this almost supernatural ability to be able to play lead guitar in it. If we didn't do that, right, if I wasn't able to jump into being able to access these gifts and ask for help, then God wouldn't have helped have us save and, like, pray 
for hundreds and hundreds of kids to know Jesus that year. And um, I really feel like by me stepping into that calling, by me being willing to, to take a step forward, and then being in a place of lack, like I could not do this, and I asked for help, and I tried my best. God met me there, and I think that's for you too. I think that there's places for each of you where you can be able to step into your calling, that you can be able to find your lack, and you can ask, and God will provide. Good. Very good. Great job, Kenny. So, Lord God, we, we want to thank you for that amazing testimony, Lord, and just that awesome and necessary reminder, Lord, for us to, to put ourselves in a place, Lord, where we need to depend on you, where we need you to come through for us, Father. And I pray, Lord, as we continue this series on the gifts of the Spirit, Father, I pray that it would stir within us a, 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 a desire that we, would, that we would go after these things, these incredible gifts that you have made available to us, Lord, maybe even some of us here, we know the gifts that you have given us, Lord, but we, we are too afraid to step out. We are too afraid to, to put them into, into practice. And I pray this morning, Lord God, um, by your Spirit, Lord, not, not a work of the flesh, but by your Spirit, you would stir our hearts, you would impart courage to us, Lord God, that we would be able to step out in faith and desire to see uh, you using us in these particular areas, Father. Thank you for the giftedness that is in this room. Thank you for the, the abilities and talents and spiritual gifts that you've given each one of us. And I pray, Lord God, that this would be a season of activation. This would be a season of us stepping into more and pressing into more. And uh, we ask even today, Lord God, as we go through uh, the word and we learn about the gifts, Holy Spirit, that you have given us, I pray that you would enlarge our hearts and would release faith in us, Lord God, to, to operate and to see fruitfulness come into these areas. We want to ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my favorite things, I think, is receiving gifts. I absolutely love receiving gifts. I even love receiving gifts to the point of when I order things on Amazon and I know exactly what I've ordered and a, and a brown box arrives and I know exactly what's inside that brown box, I get excited to rip open the brown box and find the thing that I had ordered. And I'm convinced that brick and mortar stores could literally double sales if they packaged everything that you bought into brown inconspicuous boxes because the same excitement is there when you rip open a box and you pull out the thing that you received. As much as I love receiving gifts, I am notoriously difficult to buy gifts for. I've been known most Christmases and birthdays to actually order my gift online and choose it myself I receive the package, I enjoy the excitement of opening up the Amazon box, and then I normally give it to the gift giver, whether it's my wife or kids, and tell them, this is, how I, this is what I bought, can you please wrap it up so I can open it up in three days' time? Um, and if they happen to be brave enough to, to venture into the kind of dangerous territory of choosing a gift for me, probably seven and a half or eight times out of ten they find me online the next day with the gift card, the gift receipts, and my gift, and I'm typically exchanging it for something that I really, really like. So I'm a terrible, terrible gift giver. I did get these, though. My kids chose these, and I do like them. So that's one of the few, the few gifts. I actually, as much as I love uh, actually receiving gifts, I actually enjoy giving gifts even more. And I have a gift here this morning for Courtney Coleman. 
And don't get up, Courtney, because I want someone to deliver this gift uh, for me. So, Jamie Sue, can I ask you to come, come on down? Yes, you, Jamie Sue. Don't look around. There's no other Jamie Sue in the building. You are the only Jamie Sue in the building that I know. So, if you wouldn't mind coming down and uh, giving that to Courtney Coleman, I'd really appreciate that. She's over there at the back. Thank you so much. <laughs> Courtney, I know that things have been a little bit overwhelming the last few weeks or months, and you've just been on our hearts, and... Uh, I want, thanks, Jamie. That's great. Um, just want you to be blessed by that. Um, it's a small little thing that you can spoil yourself with. So make sure that you, make sure that you do that. As, uh, as Matt said, we're in a 10-week series on, uh, called Eagerly Desired, where we are learning about the gifts of the Spirit. In general, we're learning about the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, what it means to live by the power of God. Um, But very specifically, we are looking at the gifts of the Spirit, how every single one of us have access to the gifts of the Spirit and how God wants us to function and flow and be wise administrators or stewards of the spiritual gifts that God has given us. We started in week one where I spoke particularly about what it means to live a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I made this very important point, which I want to continue to remind us of. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come down um, on a particular person for a particular time, for a particular function. And the Spirit of God, that anointing, that, that, that kind of manifest presence of God would lift off that person once that task or function had been uh, done. But in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, every single one of us who are born again and have been filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't come upon us. The Holy Spirit takes up residence within us. We have access to the well of living water. We have access to eternal life in our hearts by the Holy Spirit taking up residence in us. And that is true, friends, whether we feel it or whether we don't. Whether we're having a good day or whether we're having a bad day. It's true for you as an individual and it's true for us as a church. There are times when we sense God's presence in an increased way. But can I say it's not because more of God is present. It's simply because we are aware of God who was already present when you and I gather. We all have the Holy Spirit, those of us who've given our hearts to Jesus, all have the Holy Spirit living within us. And then after that, we went on and began to speak about uh, spiritual gifts. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, uh, verse 1. You can turn to 1 Corinthians 12, by the way. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, in, uh, Paul writes, he says, Now about spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant, or I do not want you to be uninformed. And we, we made the argument that, that unfortunately much of the church are ignorant or uninformed when it comes to spiritual gifts. He continues in verse 6, there are different kinds of gifts, different kinds of service, different kinds of ways to serve the body, different kinds of workings or, or various tasks that we can all have. Um, so the gifts are diverse in function, in capacity, and in expression. But it's the same Lord, it's the same Spirit, and the same God. Every single spiritual gift is in submission or expressed, should be expressed in submission to God for the purpose of exalting one king, and that king is Jesus, and advancing his kingdom, not our own, but his kingdom. We used the analogy a a few weeks ago of uh, uh, three different faucets 
that, that bring in the life of God into a church. I want you to imagine for a moment a, a faucet, that, that a, a, a practical faucet or a real faucet in your home brings in water into your home. In a church, I believe there are three different ways that the gifts of the Spirit can bring life, the life of God into a church, three different faucets. There are gifts from the Father, there are gifts given by the Son, and gifts given by the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, there are a number of churches that decide to pick and choose which faucets they want to have open. There are a number of churches that don't believe in apostles and prophets today and don't believe in things like tongues. But when you go and be part of that church, you can still sense the life of God because they are very open to the life of God coming through gifts that come from the Father. Gifts of leadership, gifts of administration, gifts of mercy, gifts of service. On the other hand, there are a number of quote-unquote charismatic or Pentecostal churches that are definitely open to apostles and prophets and miracles and healing and tongues and interpretation of tongues. And the life of God flows powerfully through those avenues, but they would at times tend to be a little averse to leadership. No, we all lead. Or don't talk about administration because we don't want to administrate the life of God out of a church meeting. But I believe it's God's desire. I believe we need to be a church that is desiring to see the, the life of God coming through every single avenue that it can. We're open to the gifts of the Spirit. We're open to the gifts that come from the Son. And we're open to the gifts that come from the Father. And that brought us to a teaching around grace gifts. Grace gifts are the first category of gifts that we looked at. Grace gifts are a supernatural yet very practical abilities that God gives every single person in order to display God's goodness and grace to others. Practical yet supernatural abilities that God gives every single one of us as a means of displaying His grace and His goodness. We looked at Romans chapter 12 and 1 Peter chapter 4 and a few other verses which describe 12 or 13 uh, examples of these kinds of gifts, although there are a myriad, a, a vast collection of various ways that God graces us in order to display His grace to those that we are ministering to. The important thing that we need to remember when it comes to grace gifts is the answer to this question, which way is grace flowing? Which way is grace flowing? It's God's design for grace to flow from his throne room through the person operating in that gift to the person receiving that gift. That's God's desire. When a, when a grace gift is expressed under God's, uh, under God's hand, when someone is operating in the grace gift they have, grace flows from his throne room through that person to the person being ministered to. There are times, and I'm sure we've all experienced this, when grace doesn't flow from God to us, we are the ones having to extend grace to the person operating in that gift. Have you been in those situations? Their hearts might be pure, their theology might be right, but they're not graced in that area. About a year after we planted church in the city, Debs woke up one Sunday morning with vertigo, and she literally could not get out of bed. And we didn't have any other worship leaders. So yours truly had to lead worship at church in the city. I've done it once. Some of you, I think Mike might have been there, I can't remember, but a couple of you may have been there or not. Uh, probably everyone left the church after that. But 
Here's the point, friends. My heart was pure. I wanted to honor Jesus with all of my heart. I chose really sound, good theology in my songs. My song choices were all about Jesus. But I don't have the grace gift to lead worship. And so grace was not flowing from God through me to the church, but the church was extending grace to me so that we could endure the three songs that I had chosen to lead worship in. That's the distinction. We need to find those grace gifts where grace can flow from God through me to people. And this is the point that I made a couple of weeks ago. Every one of us is uniquely gifted. And so when we discover and then function faithfully in the grace God has given us to serve others, not only do we release his grace to those we serve, but we are refreshed and recharged ourselves. That's what a grace gift is all about. The, uh, last week, we spoke about ministry gifts. Ministry gifts are skilled servants or skilled leaders that Jesus has given his church, given to his church to help prepare the church, help prepare us to bring us into maturity for Jesus' return. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says, it was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Why? To prepare God's people for works of ministry so that, we, so that the body of Christ may be built up ultimately reaching maturity. What do we need to remember from last week? This, we need to remember this, that a mature church, a mature church, friends, is made up of mature believers that are being conformed and transformed into Jesus' image. A mature church is a church that reflects all five areas of gifting. We are apostolic in heart. We are those that go. We are evangelistic, desiring to see the lost saved. We are prophetic in the sense that we can discern God's preferred future for us. We are pastoral. We love to see people gathered and cared for and being released into, into freedom. And we are also carrying a teaching gift in that we instruct people on the truth of God's word. We cannot ever hope to be a mature church if we pick and choose our favorite. Oh, we love the gift of the, of, of the prophet. But you know what? We can't really spend too much time pastorally caring for people. No. A mature church reflects all five areas of gifting. And this brings us today to the manifestation gifts. The gifts that are given to us by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. The power of God... This is my definition of manifestation gifts. It is the power of God that is available to us all through the person of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of making God's will and nature known. It is the power of God available to us all through the person of the Holy Spirit given in order to make God's will and nature known. The manifestation gifts make the will of God known, that his desire to heal, his desire to provide, his desire to give wisdom and insight into certain situations. It makes God's nature known, his goodness, his grace, his love, his power, his authority, etc., etc. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul writes, Now to each one, remember in Ephesians 4, Paul wrote to some Jesus gave. But now Paul is writing about the gifts of the Spirit. Now to each one, to every single one of us, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
is given, the manifestation, the, 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 the desire of the Holy Spirit to, to make manifest, to make known, to reveal the will and the nature of the Father. That's the purpose of the manifestation gifts, to reveal and make known God's will and God's, and God's nature. He continues in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, to one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. Now, let me just pause for a moment. We're not going to do a, a, a very thorough breakdown of each of the nine gifts that I mentioned. I'm just going to quickly give a short definition for each one because I want to get onto some practical applications for, uh, for today's message. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. The message of wisdom is, is the supernatural revelation, essentially the supernatural revelation to know what to do next in a difficult situation. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. This is a supernatural revelation to know something about someone or a situation that ordinarily couldn't be known. Sometimes you'll see after church on a Sunday as we're beginning to release ministry, someone or a few people might come up and, and express a, 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 a sense that they, that they have a word of knowledge that someone might have a sore shoulder or a bad knee. Those are words of knowledge making the will of the Father known that it is His desire to heal that person. To another, verse 9, faith by the same Spirit. Uh, without being crass, the best way to descri- describe this is a supersized gift of faith. A, a, a supernatural sense of faith. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. We all know what the gifts of healing are. Verse 10, to another, miraculous powers. These are, these are miracles that are distinct from healing, essentially. To another, prophecy. Prophecy simply means to receive and communicate God's will or God's wisdom in a situation. To, uh, to another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To know what is motivating someone. What is the spirit behind someone uh, uh, speaking or ministering or, 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 or functioning in a certain way. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. These are those meeting stopper moments where someone comes to, to speak a, an unknown tongue, whether it's the tongues of men or the tongues of angels where the meeting stops and someone comes to bring that tongue to reveal God's heart. But with that, in verse 10, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. All right, we're going to do this. Two frequently asked questions. I'm going to quickly answer two frequently asked questions And then we're going to get into some practical things. Number one, the first question is, are the manifestation gifts still available to be used? Are the manifestation gifts still available to be used? There are a number of us, amen, there are a number of us who come from church backgrounds where the teaching is that these gifts has, in today's age, have subsequently ceased. 1 Corinthians 13 is often the text that is used. Uh, prophecies will cease, tongues will be stilled, knowledge will pass away. This is a, a, a vast subject that, that probably requires far more time than we have this morning. But I want to quickly take us to 1 Corinthians 13 if we can, because I, that, that is the text that is often used to argue that gifts of the Spirit are not available today. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. 
This is so important to understand, friends. In this text, the text that is often used to argue that gifts aren't available, Paul is juxtaposing the now, where we are now, with the then, when we meet Jesus. To juxtapose simply means to bring on top of one another, to merge together. So Paul, in this text, we're going to read it together, Paul is merging the reality of the here and now with the reality of what will happen one day when we, when we are with Jesus. Let's read verse 8 together. Love never fails. Love never fails now, and love never fails when we are with Jesus. That's why Paul writes that. Do you all agree with that? We need, the, we, we, love, we, we need and we celebrate the love of God now, and one day when we're in the presence of Jesus completely, we need and we will love the presence of Jesus. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies now, they will cease then, when we are with Jesus. Friends, if we are in the presence of Jesus, and, and Matt Philip comes up to me and says, Steve, I've got a prophetic word for you. I'll say, Matt, turn your eyes and focus on Jesus. I don't need your prophetic word, brother. I have access, unlimited access, into the very presence of Jesus Christ. With all due respect, Matt, when I'm in the presence of Jesus, I don't need prophecies. But that's then. Now, we need the prophetic to understand God's heart. They, uh, uh, when, uh, but where there are prophecies now, they will cease then. Where there are tongues now, they will be stilled then. Where there is knowledge now, it will pass away then. For now, verse 9, for now we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, when we're in the presence of Jesus... The imperfect disappears. Verse 12, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Friends, I want to summarize that point by saying simply this, the gifts of the Spirit are available to us all, to us all, and they're available, available to us now. The second question is exactly that. Are the manifestation gifts available to all of us? You see, sometimes there can, be, there can be teaching or the thinking that some have the gift of healing and some have the gift of miracles. And I want to argue today that actually we all have access to all nine gifts because we have all been filled with the same Holy Spirit. When I receive the Holy Spirit, I don't receive part of the Holy Spirit or part of the gifts that He brings. I receive all of the Holy Spirit and all nine gifts that He brings to the body as the situation determines. The question is not, do you have the Holy Spirit or do you have all of the Holy Spirit? Because we receive all of the Holy Spirit. The question is, does the Holy Spirit have all of you? That's the question we need to be asking. Have you, have you surrendered all of your life to the fullness of, who, of the Holy Spirit? The way I like it, well, let me just read verse 11, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. All are the work of the Spirit, and the Spirit, He gives the gifts to each one of us as He determines, as the situation requires. The analogy I like to use is, is of a, a handyman 
and he's called into a situation to go and fix something. And he's a kind of a special handyman because the toolbox that he carries is completely empty when he leaves his house. So he picks up a special toolbox and he goes into the situation to discover what, what is called for. And he assesses the situation and then when he opens up his toolbox, he finds the particular tool that he needs to fix that problem. That's what I believe 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is teaching us. That we go into a situation where we're not sure exactly what is needed. But when we are there, when we are seated, when we are with that person, we are there in that situation. The Spirit of God makes known to us what gift is needed and we apply that gift to the situation. A few years ago, Matt invited me to go and pray for a woman, one of his patients at the hospital. Uh, This patient was literally in a coma on her deathbed. And Matt invited me into the hospital. I'm I'm petrified, I can think I can say, petrified of hospitals. I do not like hospitals. But I went into this hospital because I had faith to go and pray for this lady. Now that lady, in that situation, did not need an interpretation of tongues. It would have been very inappropriate for me to arrive and say, well, unfortunately, I I don't have the gift of healing, but I can interpret tongues, if you'd like. No, what she needed was the gift of healing, and it was the gift of healing that the Holy Spirit gave me in that moment. I had the privilege of praying for her, and a few weeks later, this woman actually came came off death's bed, recovered her consciousness, and was, was healed a few weeks later. But the the gift of tongues was not what was needed. It was the gift of healing. As I said, I'm a little bit nervous of the language that says, well, so-and-so has the gift of healing. No. Who gave the gift to Courtney Coleman? It's not a trick question. Who gave the gift to Courtney Coleman? I did. I gave the gift to Courtney Coleman. Who received that gift? Courtney. What did Jamie Sue do? He was just the delivery guy. He just took the gift that I wanted to give to Courtney, and he took that gift. And Jamie, you were a great delivery guy, let me say. But he took that gift, and he gave it to Courtney. Friends, that's what happens when we operate in the gifts of the Spirit. In a context like this, we make ourselves available. Father, I am here today, and I want to be used as a delivery person. Do you have any gifts that you want to give to your body that I can deliver? And as you're worshiping God, God puts Gary Klopfenstein on your mind. And and you've got a prophetic word for him. You don't have that gift of prophecy. You are giving a gift from the Father, and you deliver it faithfully to Gary. Gary doesn't bow down and worship you. Gary bows down and worships the giver of the gift, which is God the Father. How many times have you hugged and thanked the UPS delivery person when they've delivered your Amazon gift? How many times have you... Have you grabbed them by the hand and said, I cannot believe you've given me this gift. That is so special. That is amazing. No. They are fulfilling the function of delivering the gift. The person you thank is the one who gave you that gift. And that's the way I see spiritual gifts. All right, we're running out of time. Let's jump into these things to remember. I've got nine, one for each of the gifts. But uh, time might prevent us from getting through them all. So let me just see how many we can get through. All righty. You guys good? You following along? All right. Nine practical things to think about as we want to operate and function and flow in these gifts. Number one, functioning in the gifts do not speak to a person's maturity 
or their soundness of theology. Functioning in the gifts is not a referendum. It's not a comment on someone's maturity or the soundness of their theology. Sometimes we make the mistake that if, if someone is operating powerfully in the gifts of the Spirit, that means God is endorsing their, their lifestyle and their theology and everything that they, that they believe in. And I want to say that's not what the Bible teaches. I know that from personal experience. Within weeks of getting saved, I was speaking in tongues, and I saw a woman healed of a cancerous size, a growth the size of a baseball on the side of her neck, literally within weeks of being saved. But my life was still a mess. I was still immature. And Paul says the same thing to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth were flowing powerfully in the gifts of the Spirit. But he says this in 1 Corinthians 3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as spiritual, as people who live by the Spirit. Because you are, because you are worldly. You are mere infants in Christ. He goes on in 1 Corinthians 11. Your meetings do more harm than good. Imagine if we had Paul visit our church and he said, you know, church in the city, I mean, there's great things going on, but man, your meetings do really, I'd rather you'd not meet because they're doing more harm than good. Imagine if that was the assessment of the church. But this was a church that was powerfully moving in the gifts of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit that are a reflection of our maturity. Love, patience, peace, kindness, joy, and I've got that order wrong, but you know, first in Galatians chapter five, and we're gonna teach on this in a few weeks. It is our maturity in the person of Jesus that we need to focus on. The gifts are a given. If you are saved, every single one of you seated here is able to operate in all nine gifts of the Spirit. It's not a mark of maturity. It's a mark of the Holy Spirit moving through your life. Second thing, the gifts flow best or flow easiest when they are eagerly desired. Remember when Jesus went to his hometown, Mark chapter 6 tells the account. Jesus goes back to his hometown and he's received with skepticism and with indifference. And it says in Mark 6 that Jesus could not do many miracles there. Friends, the gifts of the Spirit flow best when every single one of us are eagerly pursuing the gifts of the Spirit. When we come on a Sunday morning and we say, Father, here I am. I'm clocked in. I'm checked in. I'm available. How do you want me to deliver one of your gifts to, to someone here at church? The most powerful ministry, friends, at church in the city, let me tell you this, and I'm not being uh, weird by saying this, the most powerful ministry at church in the city does not happen from this stage. It happens when the body of Christ are mobilized to bring gifts from the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit to people in the pews, in the seats. That's an active, that's a mobilized priesthood. Number three, the gifts are fueled by love and faith. The gifts are fueled by love and faith. We need to serve one another in love as we minister these gifts. I have two, two quick stories to tell. One of an unfortunate situation that happened to me of an example of someone not operating in love through the gifts of the Spirit. I went to a prophetic conference about uh, four years ago, five years ago in Indiana. Probably 600 people in the room. The guy was, um, was visiting from overseas, the guy who was leading the meeting. He called all the pastors up on stage. There were probably about 15 of us. I happened to be at the end of the line. And he goes around each particular person and he prays for them and they receive something of God or whatever that he was praying for. And he comes to me 
And every person up until, uh, until I had been prayed for had fallen down under the power of God. I am totally open to falling down under the power of God, but I want God to, to, you know, to overwhelm me, not someone to push me. So I'm standing there at the end in front of 600 people, and this gentleman begins to pray over me, and he says, now in Jesus' name, and I didn't fall over. I felt the presence of God, but I didn't fall over, and that threw him. And so he starts praying for me again, and I kid you not, I can feel his, his hand pushing on my forehead. Now, the kind of guy that I am, I don't like being manipulated. So as hard as he's pushing me, I'm pushing back with my neck in front of 600 people. Veins are popping out of my neck. I have the imprints of his fingers on my forehead. Here's the unpo- unfortunate bit. In front of 600 people, he stops, and he, quote-unquote, prophesies over me, that I have a blockage in my heart and I'm resistant to the power of God. And God is going to take me on a detour in my life where I'm going to go outside of God's, uh, God's presence until I learn to submit my heart to Him. In front of 600 people. That was not a prophetic gift given in love. I graciously went down from the stairs, picked up my Bible, and I went home. Another example. A friend of mine leads a church in South Africa, about 1,000 people. He's preaching the Word of God. And while he's preaching, he keeps hearing the word Jane, Jane. And he carries on preaching, and he keeps hearing the word Jane. And eventually he stops the sermon, and he says, I'm sorry, but is there a Jane in this room? This lady at the back stands up. She goes, that's me. He goes, would you mind coming forward? I believe God wants to give you something. I believe God has prompted my heart that he wants to prophesy over you. She comes up on stage in front of a thousand people, and he stands there, and he's waiting for God to give him something. And God gives him nothing. And in front of a thousand people, he says, I'm so sorry. I'm embarrassed to say this, but I've got nothing else to say. Nothing else to give you. And, he's, and so she goes and sits down. She, he's feeling shame. The entire congregation are thinking, oh my goodness, this guy totally blew it. Unbeknown to him, this lady comes after the meeting and says, this morning I prayed, God, if you are out there, please would you call me by name? All she needed to hear was her name being called out. That's an example of operating in love and within the faith capacity that you have for your gift. James is going to speak about faith next week. Nancy's going to speak about love the week after. The gifts are function best in the context of faith and love. We need to move on quickly. Number four, the gifts are given for the benefit of others. And just to quickly, and we don't have time to comment on this one, but to simply say, friends, the UPS delivery person is not the star of the show. It is God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, ministering gifts to his people. Number five, it doesn't benefit anyone when we remain ignorant about the gifts or we are inconsiderate of how we bring them. Friends, the gifts are meant to flow naturally yet supernaturally. We don't need to break into King James English. Thus saith the Lord, I beseech thee, listen to the whatever. No, we function very naturally and very normally in the gifts of the Spirit. We don't have to take on an alter ego because we're now operating under the power of God. We need to be simple, we need to be humble, and we need to be normal and considerate in the way that we operate in the gifts. I encourage people in the prophetic, to take risks. But if you take a risk and you miss it, acknowledge that you made a mistake. Another situation where someone, I heard someone do this. They were prophesying. Imagine I was prophesying over, well, that's a bad example. Imagine I was prophesying over, over Hannah. 
this person did something like this, not to Hannah, but to someone else. Um, I feel like the Lord has a word for you. Uh, do you have a son? And then Hannah would be, you know, no, I don't have a son. Well, um, uh, the Lord's going to give you one. In fact, the Lord's going to give you three sons. And that might be true, but he completely missed the fact that she doesn't have a son. That would be an appropriate time to say, you know what, I missed it, but let's carry on and see, see what else God has. Don't embellish if you don't need to. That's a bad example, but I trust you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, number six, clarity and simplicity bring the best results. Clarity and simplicity bring the best results. Can I suggest that what God wants us to do is to take what he's given us and to bring it to the person and then let the person converse with God and discover the fullness of that gift. You see, sometimes we feel the obligation to try and explain what God's saying. Take what God's given you, deliver it to the person, and let that person discover further. Number seven, timing and style is in your hands. I mentioned that already. Timing and style is in your hands. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, the gift of the prophet is subject to the prophet. The gift of prophecy is subject to the prophet. So this notion of, I had to blurt it out. The Holy Spirit came upon me. I, had no, I couldn't help myself. That doesn't line up with Scripture. That's why we ask as an, as an eldership team, when you come to church, some of, us, some of you hopefully come with the word, with a song, with a, with a psalm, with a spiritual song, but you bring it to the elders so that we can find space to administrate the gift to the way, in a way that benefits the entire body. Number eight, we nearly finished. The gifts can be used powerfully to, to minister to the lost. And Mark is going to speak about that in a couple of weeks. The gifts can be used powerfully to minister to the lost. And then last one, I want to say this. When you receive a gift, you must weigh it up. When you receive a gift, you must weigh it up. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, For we know in part, therefore we prophesy in part. Friends, there is no, there is no one on this planet who is absolutely infallible in their prophetic gift. Just because someone adds, God says so, doesn't mean that God actually said it. We all have a responsibility to take what God is saying through the prophetic and to weigh it up on, against his word. First, Corinthians, uh, First Thessalonians 5 says this, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything, hold on to the good. Unfortunately, the church is often divided, either those who despise prophecy or those who love prophecy too much. Those who despise prophecy will refuse to accept anything, and those who love prophecy too much refuse to weigh it up against the Word of God. We need to be, doing, we need to weigh up everything compared to the Word of God. You know, this morning I carefully wrapped the gift that I gave to Courtney. It's in a nice box. And Jamie, to his absolute credit, was a willing delivery person. And he took that gift and he cared for it as he walked from the stage across to Courtney. And he served Courtney by making sure that the gift arrived in the form that it was given. But you see, sometimes when we, when, if we're not as considerate as Jamie was, and we're not as thoughtful as Jamie was, sometimes we can try to use the gift for our own advantage. Well, sometimes we cannot care for the gift as much as we should. And the gift which comes from the Father to us to deliver to someone comes in its perfect and pure form. But sometimes if we're not thoughtful and if we're not considerate 
And if we're a little bit insecure or we're trying to use the gift as a platform to promote ourselves, sometimes this is what the gift looks like when we give it to the person. And when we do that, if Courtney were to receive this gift, she would be like, wow, Steve, thanks, I guess, if this is what you wanted to give me. But you see, we need to be those that, exactly like Jamie did, that humble our hearts and to say, God, we're actually, the reason I've taught these things is not to quench the spirit. The reason I've taught these things is to quench the flesh. That's the reason I've taught these things. I want us all, I want my flesh to be quenched. There are times when I'm insecure. There are times when I I operate out of a place of, of, of selfishness. And I want the flesh in me to be quenched so that maximum space and room can be given to the Holy Spirit to minister the power of God to, each, uh, to, to, to the people that he wants to minister his gifts to. I'm going to ask that we stand together, and I'm going to pray over us, and then I'm going to hand over to Matt, and then we're going to call it a day. If you can stand, if you feel comfortable with your eyes closed for a moment, if you feel comfortable standing, um, just with your eyes closed, we've spoken about, over the last three weeks, we've spoken about gifts from the Father, we've spoken about gifts from the, uh, the Son, We've spoken today about gifts from the Spirit, and, and, and those are good gifts. In fact, those are great gifts. Paul actually writes in 1 Corinthians 12 that we need to desire the greater gifts, gifts that minister to the body of Christ. I want to say there is one gift above them all that is the greatest gift of them all, and that is the gift of Jesus Christ, given by God the Father to each and every one of us. Most of you standing in the room today have received the greatest gift of Jesus Christ into your heart. But before I pray for, for, our, for, for you as, as a church, or for us as a church, I want to just ask if there is anyone here today who has never received that greatest gift. It's not something we earn. It's not something that we work for. But we receive the person of Jesus Christ as a free gift. We come empty-handed And we see the Father looking at us and saying, I have salvation here for you. I have eternal life available to you. All you need to do is to receive the free gift of my son. If that's you today, if you're saying today, Steve, I want to know Jesus as my life here on earth. I want to receive this greatest gift. I want to know eternal life here on earth. I want to know true freedom and true liberty. If that's you today, would you mind just raising your hand and looking at me? I would love to lead you in a prayer right now, where you are standing, where you can receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. If that's you today, just slip up your hand. Just look at me so that I know that you're out there. And I would love to lead you in a prayer this morning where you can receive the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ. Anyone here today? Just quickly, anyone? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for the gift that you've given us, the gift of salvation, the gift of your grace, the gift of your goodness. Now, Lord, as a church, we just open our hearts. We open our hands. If you feel comfortable, just position yourself to receive from the Lord this morning. Lord, we want to receive from you. Thank you that we have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that every single one of those nine gifts are available to us. And I pray, Lord God, that we would be those 
full of faith, full of courage, from that place of intimacy, beginning to flow, beginning to function in all of those gifts. Lord, I release prophecy and wisdom and knowledge and tongues and interpretation of tongues and faith and healing and miracles and distinguishing of spirits. And I think I've forgotten one or two. But Lord, you know all the nine gifts and we release them. We release them over the church according to your word. Help us to flow with love and by faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Steve. That's an outstanding teaching. Thank you, but we're not done yet. So you can have a seat. Everyone have a seat. We're going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, Nathan, I'll have you up, Sheetal and Mike. Nelson, if you guys can come up, okay? So we're going to do something a little different, okay? Now, remember how great greeting was, okay? It was so nice talking to everybody, okay? We're going to do something a little similar. Now, as we talk about the prophetic, we would love to meet you where you're at and, and, and share in that, okay? So uh, we're going to have the ministry team come up in a minute. So if you want a greater release of the gifting or someone to pray with you and for you, that's going to be there for you, Okay. But soon we're going to have something different that we're going to, that we're going to be doing, okay? Um, there's um, in, in Acts uh, chapter 10 and also 11, uh, as the church was exploding and growing and, and it was exploding primarily with people who were, who were Jewish of, of that tradition. And um, Peter had received a vision from God three times to to eat all these different, different things that he had never eaten that was contrary to his tradition, contrary to the culture. And as that vision was happening three times, because he kept saying no, he kept saying no when he got that vision, these um, three men came to his door and knocked and said, can you come with us? And he found out later that God had given them a vision to come to meet with Peter. And through both of those things, he, as Peter went with them and he shared, the Holy Spirit came on all of the Gentiles and he saw that the same spirit that he had received was over all of them. And then when he came back, the Jews in Jerusalem said, how could you go to the Gentiles and talk to them about the Holy Spirit? And what he did is he shared his testimony of what God had done, the prophetic word that he had given. He shared the word. He said, Jesus has told us that we will baptize with the Holy Spirit, whereas John baptized with water. And he shared through relationship. And then the Jews didn't come back to him and say, but this or that. They said, no, you're right. And it transformed how the church went into just, instead of just a Jewish culture, to all of us. And the vast majority of us are here and know about Jesus because of that key trajectory with different prophetic words. And so today, we want to share in this too. And there were a couple prophetic words that happened, a few prophetic words that happened. Um, Nathan, if you can. Um, in the beginning of Steve's preach, I saw a picture of God or Jesus handing big um, like chains, like um, jewelry kind of chains that go around your neck, around people's necks. And, and the first one was gold, and then there was pink gold and blue gold and like platinum and different colors. I just felt like that resembled the gifts, so the different you know, kind of gifts. And then really, I feel like the um, like interpretation of that was, you know, today it was such a great um, message but we can choose as a body to receive or, you know, and accept that gift from God, like Courtney accepted the gift, you know, from Steve, or we can choose not to accept um, 
but it's up to us. So God, the same as salvation, he's given it to us, and then we can choose. You know, do you want to accept it or not? In the, in the prayer time before service, I had this picture of, uh, it was a smooth ocean, but from the back of the ocean came this huge wave. It was like a smooth, beautiful wave, and uh, it just blasted through all these barriers. It ran up the sand, and I've, se- I've seen this wave many times in my hometown. Whenever it would flood, uh, you get these huge waves that would run up the sand, go over the concrete barrier, go across the promenade, and uh, it, would, it would usually break through the restaurants, glass windows, and flip cars. But this was a different wave. It, it came and it just brought a refreshing. Uh, it broke barriers uh, in, in our lives. Uh, There's a picture of it breaking barriers in our lives. And, and it was instantaneous. I think when the Holy Spirit comes, stuff that we've been struggling with, um, be it pride, sin, uh, hardness of heart, things that would take 10 years of counseling, I think the Spirit wants to come and just bring healing here in this church. And so just got faith for that this morning. I just had a picture of a shepherd with his sheep inside a sheep pen, walking among the sheep and running his hand through their wool. And I just um, had a sense of God wanting to remind us about him being the good shepherd and that this is a safe place. And that whenever there is the presence of the Father, there is safety there. And he wanted, he wanted to remind us of the fact that he, of his love and his concern and his care for every single one of us. And um, in John 10, it says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for my sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So in light of the gifts, and sometimes it can be scary for some people, um, not knowing the heart, where they come from. Maybe you're worried about things being exposed or condemnation. But I just felt God wanted to remind everyone that this is a safe place, that we come with the heart of Jesus, and that this is a place where you can feel free and cared for. Yeah, just to clarify that point too, is I used to be really scared of meeting with people with a prophetic gifting because I thought that they would like expose me or something or share like the things that I'm struggling with. And, and, things, and like that's never once happened because that's not the heart of God, right? God has never once embarrassed me or, you know, r- you know, ridden me through the streets like, you know, to, for people to laugh at or whatever. And that's, that's not the heart of God to do that. And it's only to build up. It's to encourage. It's, these gifts are precious, precious gifts. And that's why as we end today, we want to actually do it in a practical way. So ministry team, if you could come forward, okay. Now, there's sometimes that people will come up for, for ministry, and it's great. And I've seen it, like, firsthand, powerful ways of people receiving and hearing from God in like these incredible ways. But also we're going to have the broader leadership team, like just where you're sitting or moving around, to be available just like it had in Acts 10 and 11 of just sharing about their personal testimonies, answering questions that people may have, um, just opening the word and scriptures and going through that in a very personal, practical way. There's no pressure, right? So this is the official end to the meeting, right? So feel free to just keep talking, you know, if you want to, or feel free to run for the exits if you want to. There's, <coughs> again, we're not doing this to put anyone on the spot or put any pressure on anyone, but we would love to just share in the gifts that God has given us. He's given it to the church for a reason, you know, and it's, and it's, it's just a beautiful thing that we can do that as family and as friends to be able to share in that and, and, and reason this out together. So thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a privilege being here with you guys worshiping together, hearing the word, and um, 
and, and seeing all of you today. So bless you guys and have a wonderful week.